Hello, and welcome back to Pastor Merritt's Old Testament Overview, lesson number 39. If you'll be following along in the outline, we'll be starting on page 2, about a third of the way down, at point 10. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1.9 as may or may not be necessary. Old Testament Overview, Lesson Number 39.10 Now let's continue our study of Genesis chapter 16, verse 7. Point 11. Let's look at the phrase, found her. Point 12. God who sought Adam when he had sinned and ran to hide, now finds Hagar who is in trouble. Point 13. We may be sure God is more interested in us than we are in ourselves, and that takes some doing. Point 14. We may attempt to run away from the things that happen to us, but we can never get away from God. From Psalms chapter 139, verse 7 through 10, and they read, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Point 15. And where did he find her? By a fountain in the wilderness. 15.1. In many places in Scripture, we find that water is a symbol of the Word of God. Ephesians 5.26 and John 4.14. Or the Spirit of God. John 7, verse 38 and 39. So, that reads, Ephesians 5.25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. I'm going to interject here briefly. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 is a scripture Pastor Merritt told me before I married his daughter. And it's husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Guys, that's the one right there. Mentioned it before, we're pretty poor at it. We should work a little harder, shouldn't we? So, do that again, chapter 5, verse 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he for the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Spirit, was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. 
John chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, hast drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Genesis chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. 15.2 Even here in the devil's world amidst his miasma of sin evil and disorder, God has a fountain of water for us. 15.3 When we run away from our circumstances, God will find and comfort us if we stop to drink from the fountain of the word. Point 16. Now let's look at verse 8. Genesis chapter 16, verse 8. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, Whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarah. Point 1. Verse 8. Whence? Whither? 1.1. God often puts questions in the heart of believers, and they are always placed upon us for a purpose, not because God needs the answer. Point 2. The Lord Jesus told another woman at the well to call her husband, although he knew that she had none. John chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, and they read, Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Point three. In the same way, the Lord knew from where Hagar had come and where she was attempting to go, his question was designed to open a dialogue from which the word of God could be provided. Point four. The heavenly messenger brought Hagar to herself. and From there, she was brought to the place of blessing, a direct communication from God himself. Point five. And now for verse nine. Genesis 16, verse 9. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself unto her hands. Point 1. Verse 9. Return, submit. Point 2. When we seek to change our circumstances, we often jump from the frying pan into the fire. We must be triumphant on a moment-by-moment basis 
exactly where we are. It is often not a change of climate we need, but a change of heart. 2.1. We live the Christian life a moment at a time. We either think divine viewpoint or human viewpoint. Point three. The flesh wants to run away, but God wants to demonstrate his power exactly where we have known our greatest chagrin. Life's disappointments are frequently his appointments, one of several faith rest principles. 3.1. The mechanics of the faith rest technique are 3.11. Claim a promise to stabilize the mind. God works all things together for the good. 3.2. Use reverse process concentration. 3.21. For knowledge, God thought about me in eternity past. 2.2. Predestination. God has a plan for me in eternity past. 2.3. Election. God saw my choices and chose me. 2.4. Justification. God can now bless me because he is propitiated. 2.5. Glorification. God will from heaven bless me. He is exalted when I am blessed. 3.3. Reach doctrinal conclusions. 3.31. If God is for me, who can be against me? 3.32 Since God saved me when I was his enemy, how shall he not now provide for me now that I am family? 3.4 Always remember our disappointments are God's appointments. Point four. It is our mental attitude which must be adjusted when facing problems and not necessarily geographical change. God opens and closes doors, and it is the responsibility of the believer to watch and wait while growing in the Word. Point five. When we come to the end of ourselves, we can begin with God. It doubtless was humiliating for Hagar to return to Sarah even more difficult to submit to her authority, but it was God's will. Point six. To be forced to return to a place of failure is often difficult, but just as often that place is where his power enables us to triumph. Point seven. And now for verse 10 and a famous promise with ominous ramifications. Genesis Chapter 16, verse 10. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Point 1, verse 10. I will multiply thy seed. Point 2. Not for an instant does God acknowledge the union of Abram and Hagar as a real marriage. Point 3. He sends Hagar back, not as a wife to Abram, but as a servant to Sarah. But he sends her back with a great promise. Point four. Her seed will be multiplied exceedingly. The promise is accomplished with the demand to return and submit. Point five. 
God orders her to return and submit, and then he promises her a blessing. Promise is to encourage both her and us, especially when our flesh wants to shrink from doing the hard thing. Point six. Now for verse 11, where we see God naming Hagar's child. Genesis chapter 16, verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. Verse 11, Ishmael. Point 1. Throughout her life, the child's name will ring in her ears to remind her of the faithfulness of God. For Ishmael means, God shall hear. Point two. Many verses show that God is especially attentive to the cry of those who are in distress. Nothing can touch us that does not touch him. Of his people it is written, In all their affliction he was afflicted. That's from Isaiah chapter 63 verse 9. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. Now, Isaiah chapter 63, verse 9. In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angels of his presence saved them. In their love, and in his pity he redeemed them, and he bare them, and carried them all the days of old. Point three. One of the most comforting thoughts in the revelation of God is that we are loved by God even more than we love ourselves. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Point four. Verse 12 describes the future nature of Hagar's child. Genesis chapter 16, verse 12. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Point 1, verse 12, a wild man. Point 2, literally, the Hebrew says he will be a wild donkey man. That is, he was to be a free nomad. We believe that here is the first indication of the far-reaching effects of the sin of Abram. Point three. It should not be forgotten that Ishmael is the father of the nomadic peoples of the desert. The Arabs, as followers of Mohammed, are the great opponents of Israel and Christianity. Point four. The father of the promised people had begotten a wild donkey of a man instead of a child of grace. This, it would seem, represents God's judgment on the fruit 
of self-effort. Point five. A failure to wait upon the Lord often results in cursing rather than blessing. Psalms chapter 37 verse 9. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Psalms chapter 123 verse 1 and 2. Unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look into the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress. So our eyes wait upon the Lord our God, until that he have mercy upon us. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 8. Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms, pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Point six. Hagar returned to her home with Abram and Sarah, where she faces the need to convince Abram that she had seen and talked with a theophany who told her to name him Ishmael. God shall hear. Point seven. She returned and submitted and convinced Abram to name the child as God had ordered. Hagar had been strengthened by the presence of the Lord. Genesis chapter 16, verse 13 through 16. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Point 8. Now let's see what we can learn from Genesis chapter 17. Point 9. The chapter has 27 verses. However, we need to divide our study. I want us to look first at verses 1 through 17, and then review the doctrine of circumcision, after which we will exegete verses 18 through 27. Point 10. 
Let's first get an overview of verses 1 through 17. Out of the NIV, the covenant of circumcision. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 through 17. When Abram was 99 years old, Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. And let me pause there. All the way through this study, from the last three or four, five, we've been discussing Abraham, Hagar, Melchizedek, and Sarai. I've been saying her name is Sarah. Her original name was Sarai, S-A-R-A-I. And it's here in Genesis chapter 17 that God changes her name from Sarai to Sarah, with the latter being S-A-R-A-H. And now I will continue with the last two verses, which are 16 and 17. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, kings of peoples. Will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man 
a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? Point eleven. Now for the verse-by-verse analysis of chapter 17. Genesis 17, verse 1. And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me, and be thou perfect. And that's the conclusion of lesson number 39 of the Old Testament Overview. Thank you for joining us. Look forward to being with you the next time. And if there's anyone listening without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, remember, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So long.